Hey, Myrtle, are you fertile? We're talking about making babies today, but not in the way that you might think. Stay right there. Welcome to the Black Girl Bravado Podcast, your weekly fix for all things mental health and wellness. I'm Brittany, the joke-cracking, detail-oriented friend who is always down the road when you need her. For the legal stuff, though, not the illegal stuff. And I'm Germany, the loyal friend who keeps you laughing. I'm a ray of sunshine, and you can always find me on the dance floor. And not only are we besties, but we're your besties. You heard me right. It's homegirl vibes here. Get ready for the girls to dish the real, the raw, and the fucking funny. And listen, we may drag you, but it's always in love. Let's start the show, cuties. Hey, y'all. Welcome back. Hey, welcome back, girly. How's it going? How's it going? It's going good. How are you? I'm doing well. How's your week? And your weekend. My week and my weekend have been good. You know, I can't complain. I can't. And I'm thankful that I can't. Good. The week has been cool. Work has not been dragging me by my pussy lips. Uh, The way you said pussy, I just can't. (laughs) By my pussy lips. Work has not been dragging me by those. Um, I feel like I've gotten a grip on it Mm -hmm. because the prior weeks were really, you know, they had me. They had me. I've kind of got a grip on the social activities, too. I love being active. I love being outside. But it slowed down a little bit so that I can build my energy up, Mm -hmm. you know, and Mm -hmm. get back out there when it's time to get back out there. So sometimes too much socializing will get the best of you. It'll drain me. Yeah. And then you feel like you you don't have a grip on things because you're never catching up. Exactly. It's like, go. It's just outside, 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 outside. Go. Yeah. I'm trying to think of what my weekend consisted and of. And as an ambivert, I need my social battery recharged <laughs> from time to time. I feel you. I feel you. I don't even know what my weekend consisted of. It's all a blur. Your weekend consisted of Tell going me. to the variety brunch. Oh, yes. Okay. Yeah. yeah. She went to the variety brunch. <laughs> and on Sunday, we worked. And I really love that for us. Mm-hmm. I loved having that little come together and. You know. Yeah, collab, mm-hmm. work together. I did too. Um, I did go to the variety hit makers brunch. Andres was DJ. And let me tell y'all something. I already told him when I'm your plus one, I need a plus one. Your plus one <laughs> needs a plus one if you're gonna be working. It's so hard. Y'all, it, they were networking and socializing, right. and that's just not my vibe. Make not, it your vibe. No, no, I can make it my vibe, but not in that setting. It was very um industry. Very industry, number one. In an industry that you're not in. You exactly. are in the entertainment industry, but you're not in the music, music industry. industry. Yeah. Right. So it was a very interesting vibe. But I will say that they gave out some awards. One was to manager of the year and they honored Gunna's manager. Um, I can't remember. Her Ebony. Name. Was her name Ebony or the person who gave her? Her name was Ebony. Ebony, you're a queen. If you ever see this. She was She's so beautiful. future manager. Future's manager. manager and Flo Millie. She was so cute. And another sister presented her with the award. And I just really loved when she says we are two black women having our way and making our way, making a way. And I said, I stand. Pray out here having his way. I love that. Having his way. And like a real nigga. Oh, RP takeoff. But yeah, I did. I did love that. He said like the third amigos. I said like a real nigga. No, like (laughs) the third amigo. I take. take. Yeah. But it was a great time. 
I enjoyed myself. Cocktails were great. The food was great. Um, I love a good cocktail and a good food. It, it was good. It was good. Okay. Well, yeah, I'm glad you had a good time. Yeah. The variety brought. Yeah. And you had a pretty relaxing weekend. You know? I did. I uh, studied for this exam, y'all. I'm going to need a tutor. Oh, really? This shit ain't easy. Okay. I need a tutor. I said, I realized that. Invest in. On yesterday that I need a tutor because, baby, I'm so far removed from the education process, mm-hmm. the studying, the retaining, yeah. the test taking, especially standardized test taking. I hate it. So I need a tutor, you know, yeah. I need a personal professor of sorts to gather <laughs> Teach me. me. <laughs> yeah. So, um, yeah, but other than that, yeah, my weekend was chill. I love that you're recognizing what you need and getting it. Period. Poo. That's important. I sent my email this morning. <laughs> Please. Help. Hello. Hello. <laughs> Are you? Yes. On new clients. Yes. Uh, what we need y'all to continue to do, and like you've already been doing, showing up and showing out, is continue to rate the show. Please. Please continue to rate the show. It's like a little Yelp review. It is. When you say you love it, it gives the signal. It puts out a bird call to the other queens who are looking for something like what we offer here. Right. And says, come on in. It's nice here. This is a five-star resort. Okay. A Nobu of sorts. Because that's what I'd be looking at. Now, I'm the, I'm the Yelp queen. I make all the reservations, hotels, you know, where we stand at. And I'd be all in them ratings. So I need y'all all in them ratings. Yes. Don't let us down. Y'all keep running it up. And also, remember to follow the podcast. Hit that little bell so that you never miss a an beat. episode. We want you locked in, tapped in, tap, turned on. Tuned in. Turn, do all of it. All of that. So, yes, continue to do that. Um, we're waiting on you. Also, continue to follow us on Patreon. So Patreon, if you've been under a rock, is our exclusive membership community where we give you more of what you hear here on the show. We have bonus episodes. We are coming off at the heels of our physical attraction bravado bonus episode. And listen. Stitches. <laughs> it was so funny. <laughs> it was so good. We talked about the importance of physical attraction. Or is it important? Or is it important? Mm-hmm. But we took a poll and polls show it's very important. So get on over there to the episode. Listen, it's good. You don't want to miss that. And let us know what you think. Yes. After you've joined us over there. There's tons of goodies. Let us know. Also, if you want to talk about the episodes more um, or have someone to talk with them about, we do have a discord chat that you can access by joining us on Patreon. So all of that information is down in the show notes. We're going to be waiting for you over there, too. You know where else I'm going to be waiting for y'all? Where? In El Salvador. Not as waiting hella places. <laughs> <laughs> yes. We're everywhere at the same damn time. Yes. yes. We are going to be in the jungle of El Salvador, baby. March 20th to the 26th is week one. March 27th to April 2nd is week two. It's giving Coachella. It is. It's giving Coachella. And I want to see y'all there. There are limited spots available, I think, for a few spots in each week. I think weekend, um, week one is back sold up. Oh, Back you know how up. we do it. Back you know on road. Back on road. Listen, let me tell you something. What? Germany dropped her bathing suit photo oh my God. on the gram. My mother, who <laughs> is coming on the retreat, as I have told you all, was say? on my phone today. She said, we going to need bathing suits. I'm like, girl, listen, look at the itinerary, sis. She said, we going to need bathing suits. I said, yes. She said, okay, okay. I'm back doing my workouts. But she said, so... Like, we going we to be real casual, though, for the trip. I said, well, there's one night where we're hitting the town. We're going to have bottle service. It's going to be a vibe. It she is. said she was smiling from <laughs> ear to ear. She was smiling. She was like, okay, okay, yeah. 
we gonna be lit i'm like oh my gosh she's so funny we yeah. are gonna have a time i'm excited because listen germany and i had a good time there by our damn selves i know it's gonna be even more fun with the with girls there. So. and if you are under the sound of my voice and you already have your ticket purchase you paying on your payment plans please bring your thonkini so i'm not the only one i'm gonna have mine oh here you always come with one too you know i keep it's one on me i keep one on me it's a bravado special it is it's a thonkini it's a thonkini it's a thonkini <laughs> so yeah bring your thonkinis Bring your outfits to step out. It's going to be a good ass time. And I'm so fucking excited. I'm not even going to hold you. It's coming. It's coming. Yeah. So today, ladies, we we have been in our goodie bag of episodes. No theme, just treats this month. And we want to talk about a taboo topic. It's not going to be taboo much longer now that the girls are talking about it. Today, we're talking about fertility and honestly, understanding where you stand with your fertility is empowering. Yeah, it is. It's liberating. And that is something that I love figuring out new ways to do. Liberate myself. Cue the Fantasia. Free yourself. I like to feel free. I thought you were going to say truth is. I I never got. (laughs) Were you not that one? (laughs) We're in the free yourself. Yeah. um, You know, as we are maturing girls. It's important, not even just for us as the as the older, the big sisters, but for the little sisters too, y'all like to understand the importance and the value of understanding our choices, right? Fertility preservation is a real thing. It's no longer, am I going to get pregnant? When can I get pregnant? I'm waiting on this man to show up so I can't get pregnant. No, it's forward thinking and figuring out what are the steps that I need to take to make my life the best that it can be, whatever that looks like, right? So it's, it's very, like you mentioned, empowering, liberating, and there's a lot of value in understanding where you are and you're, you know. Totally agree. And I feel like the more we look for information intentionally and have these conversations with our friends, our family, we will move further because you know what? There's been a shift back in the day. It used to be people were just ending up pregnant, right? Mm -hmm. They were having kids much younger. I know my grandmother had her first child at 16. My grandma was 15. And that was common. Yeah, very. It was very common to have children at that age. But now there's been a shift. We're not having children that young as commonly nowadays. We're waiting until we're older because we have different things that we want to accomplish. There's a shortage of good partners. There's so many <laughs> there's so many things that come into play and just having this knowledge is power. So, the thing is when you're in your early to mid 20s, you have a 25 to 30% chance of getting pregnant every month, right? Mm. You do. Girl. But after that, your fertility generally starts to reduce when you're in your early 30s and even more so after the age of 35. So, just knowing that information Let you know what you're working with. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. It's like, okay, I'm in my early 20s. I know what I'm working with. I know the possibilities. Um, But a lot of us aren't having children in our early 20s anymore. No. And for our our aunties out there who are nearing 40, your chances of getting pregnant are around the 5% mark. Now, we know miracles happen. We know that people end up having babies, but we're just speaking scientifically what the odds are, yeah. how they're how they're working in our favor or against us, depending what your desires are. Right. The real tea is, though, the reason why we're here today mm-hmm. 
is because studies show that black women may be twice as likely as white women to have fertility problems. And we're black over here. And another thing is the fertility setting, the realm of fertility. It's a white space. It is. Okay, It's very white and black women. Black people are underrepresented. There needs to be more visibility, which is why more conversations in black communities need to happen. And we have to push against this narrative that it's not happening to us, that we're not looking for information on fertility, that we're not wanting to explore our rights related to fertility because, it's, you know, it's not. What are our choices? I, do, I too have a desire to explore exactly. my choices. I know. Did you used to watch a baby story on TLC? No, but I know what you're talking about, but I, it wasn't a show of mine. Okay. I was just so infatuated with birth and birthing stories when I was younger. I don't know why. I just, not because I wanted kids, but just because I was just so interested mm-hmm. in it. And all of those families were white. I can't remember seeing a black family wow. and some of them were going through the IVF journeys. So for me, the whole fertility definitely was painted like taking control of your fertility, doing things to be proactive about your fertility was definitely a white thing in my mind. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Because I did not see the representation of black women until recently, right. honestly, fairly recently. Black women are, are taking their fertility into their own hands. And me too. I, for a long time thought, damn, that's a, that's a white thing. That's some white shit to be like freezing your eggs mm-hmm. and exploring IVF and things like that. Like black people don't do that. But that's ignorance. Ignorance only because the knowledge is not there. Because we are doing it. And we can do it. More so than we are, we can. Right. Knowing that we can. Knowing that we have options um, is great. It's a great tool for us. Mm -hmm. While we're talking about fertility, we know that deterrent or maybe a reason why we're not as proactive about it or don't talk about it as frequently is because Right after talking about it comes the planning for it, which comes with a cost. Yeah. How are you going to make it happen? What actionable steps are you going to take? Yeah. And we know that exploring fertility is expensive. It can be. It can be. It can be very expensive, especially when it comes to fertility preservation. Mm -hmm. So that's when you're doing something to preserve your possibility, you know, increase your chances of having a child maybe at a different time. Um, because like we said, when we're younger, a lot of times now we might not feel ready to have a child, even though we know in the future, okay, I want to have a child. I just don't want to have it right now. So what can I do to be proactive about that? That shit costs. Right. Freezing your eggs is what costs. Freezing your eggs so that you have the opportunity, the chance at getting pregnant, not having a baby, but the chance to be pregnant. It's expensive as fuck. It is. On average, yeah, on average, it costs 12000 to 14000 dollars per cycle Lord. and a lot of people feel like they need multiple cycles mm-hmm. so that they can get as many eggs as possible to of course increase their chances of having a baby it's like wow so on top of the fertility preservation we also have the fertility like struggles that may come from okay i do want to have a child but i'm not able to mm-hmm, mm-hmm. like wow yeah then there's the ivf and with the IVF, you need sperm. You do. You need sperm. And and for a lot of women, when they're family planning, they have taken their family planning into their own hands. Some women who are like, I don't need a man to do this. I'm doing it solo. We have a friend who we know who is um, exploring motherhood by choice, single, alone, what that looks like, right? And for Black women, there is a lack of Black sperm. 
If you are interested in having a black baby, the sperm count is low, baby. It is. The, sperm, the black sperm donors are not out there. There's not a lot of black brothers donating their sperm to sperm banks. Mm-mm. And we read an article. This was definitely my first time even looking into this. Yeah. But it was a bunch of women telling their story, black women telling their stories about how they had a desire to have a black or brown baby. And they had to opt out because there was just no black sperm. Mm -hmm. One person was on the phone with her homegirl, her sorority sister, and they were in a little battle trying to get the (laughs) a cue trying to get the same sperm. Trying to get the same black sperm because it was limited. Why are we battling like that? Why? And you know, if you're a black brother, consider this is a CTA. Consider donating some sperm. That sounds crazy as hell. (laughs) It does, but we're just saying. Consider, consider, you know, what it might look like for you to assist in um, helping some. If you have it in abundance, if you have it to give, (laughs) especially because we know a lot of successful, amazing black men. And unfortunately, there are a lot of restrictions to who can donate sperm. You can't have any felonies. You can't have any medical issues. I seen it. Well, you can't be gay. I seen that. I seen okay, that. Okay, now a study. why? I seen that in a study. Wow. I seen that. It's very, very rigid and critical. And I don't like that for my people. I don't like that for my people. I don't people like either. that for my people. So if you are a brother out there who has it to give, please consider donating some sperm. And that's our CTA for the day. So <laughs> now it is time for us to transition to our Well, If You Ask Me segment where we tell you all about how we feel about this topic. Well, if you ask me, being that I am 34, I probably should be considering what my options are. But up until more recently, like literally, really, really recently, I haven't been really focused on it. At one point when I was in my early 20s, late 20s, actually not early, y'all. I had been in that relationship for 10 years and I was thinking, what are our next steps? And naturally we think marriage then the kids, you know, we start putting the whole picture together. So at the time I felt like I was late. I feel like I was behind. I'm not, we're not married. We're not having kids. But as I slowly have gotten older, I realized I have time mm-hmm. and there's a lot of things that I want to do that don't include children right now. So considering my options is important. But it also is important for me to think, is this something that I want to do at all? Right. Come into that realization that maybe I don't want to do the kid thing. Maybe I don't want to do that. And I've been having an honest conversation with my partner more frequently. Is this something that you see for yourself? Because I don't quite know if I see it for myself. Mm -hmm. Um, And if you do, when do you see it for yourself? Because we have an age gap. And it's something to consider that I don't want to be, I personally don't want to be a 40 year old mother. Mm-hmm. I don't, I don't want to do that. I mm-hmm. don't, I don't want to do that. My life is so bomb right now that I feel like not that kids take away or diminish the life that you could have, but I don't know if it fits into my picture. Right. You know what I mean? And that's fair. Yeah. And I felt the pressure though from my, from my mom mm. always asking me, well, she don't be asking me. She'd be doing it in a subtle way, in a sh- little innuendo way. Specifically, I can recall an event, Thanksgiving. <laughs> I was in the kitchen and our cousin had her granddaughter over because she's my mom's first cousin. Okay. So her granddaughter was over and my mom was like, I don't know if I'm ever getting none. you know, I don't know. And I didn't say nothing, y'all. My mouth didn't open. My Girl, demeanor did hello. not change. Because number one, why are we doing this right here, right now? Why are we doing it at all? Cousin, why are we doing it at all? 
but right here, right now, no, I don't want to do that. A little backstory on the cousin. She, she's estranged in my book. My book. My book. <laughs> oh, hey. She's estranged. She's grown up with my mom. They've, you know, and they've rekindled. But she didn't grow up with you. She you didn't, didn't grow, grow up with her. Me. So I'm thinking, why are we talking about this right now? It's not funny to me. Right. It's not something that should be like, I'm making know, light of making my fertility. Joke. And when I'm if when or if I'm going to decide to bring forth. I didn't like it. I was just like and I've been trying and I don't want to be nitpicky in particular about like enforcing boundaries because I feel like in this generation, we quick to be like, that's a boundary for me. Girl, the way I said that, don't do that. Listen, baby, that's one of my favorite words, especially now that I've been flexing the muscle on them. I'm like, it's a boundary for me. I know. And I'm thinking like. Mom. But no, that is something that should be kind of boundary. Like, I don't want to talk about when I'm having kids, if it's going to have, if it's going to, because now you didn't took it from me. You didn't took it out of, do you want children to, when you going to make me a grandmama? Right. The grandmama's the baby. Right. And I'm like, <laughs> what does it have to do with you? You've raised yours. Exactly. Now it's my turn. It's my choice. My choice. You want me to do it so that you can have a little something, something. And a little something, something when you want a little something, <laughs> exactly. something. However, I'm, I'm forever with the something, something. So let me make sure it's something that I, I want. want. I was like, I had no, y'all, if y'all could have seen me, I just continued doing what I was doing. I didn't even look up. I didn't even acknowledge the comment because right. no. Well, if you ask me. And my other part was leave people's bodies alone. Yes. Take him off the table. Take him off the agenda. Okay. Please. We're done there. Yes. Um, well, yeah, if you ask me this fertility thing, the empowering myself with the fertility thing, I too have been my mother gets it. My mother gets it because I've never been the I'ma make you a grandmother type of girl. You know yeah. what I'm saying? Like it's never just been something that I have affirmed her about. She so she gets it. But my grandmother, on the other hand, she too on Thanksgiving was like, you know, I just mind you, she has tons of great grandchildren. They want one from each. She one was of like, I just really want some grandkids from you. Please. I said, Grandma, no, we're not going to do this. I'm not going to be having kids because of somebody else's desire to be something. It needs to be the desire of me and the desire of whoever I'm partnered with. And then that's how the decision will be made. Not because you want to have a great grandkid that you never go have. You don't even live oh, out here. Yeah, having your position. You're never, you're barely going to see the child. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. It's going to be for little shits and giggles and then it's on me. Mm-hmm. So I definitely have been feeling empowered in my fertility journey by exercising the power of choice. Yeah. All the tools, yeah. the ovulation tracking, the stay in my peace. When I'm talking to people, dating as soon as they get to talking about children, at first, you know what? I will admit that I was kind of nervous to be like, I don't know if I want kids. Mm-hmm. Because, of course, that can make you not an option for somebody. But guess what? It's the truth. <laughs> Maybe I'm not your option. Maybe I'm not your option. Don't come to me talking about that. Mm-hmm. Please don't come to me talking about that. And I remember when I recently told someone that I don't know if I want to have kids because initially I said that I would be. My, my approach used to be. I'm open to, to one. Yeah. That yeah. used to be my approach. You know why? Because it didn't make me sound like super closed off and it left open the possibility. But when you say you're open to one, that can be deceiving to some people, you know? Like you want one mm-hmm. outside of we can collaborate right. and decide if we should do it. Exactly. So when I was saying I'm open to one and then as I've be- been becoming more empowered, I changed to I don't know if I want kids and we do have the freedom to change our minds. I want to say that. But this person said that I tricked him. I said, I didn't trick you. 
I don't think. <laughs> I didn't trick you. I thought that I would be open to one. But now, as time has gone on, I'm not sure if right. I want children. And it's okay. And we were talking about that. You get more sure as you age. Yeah. You get more sure in your decision. If you are already an older queen who is on the fence and time passes, you might find that you're leaning closer to I can do without it. Exactly. And again, it's no tea, no shade on the children. We're not saying they're they're taking away. We don't even need to give that disclaimer anymore. You know know. what I'm saying? I hate that we feel the need to give that disclaimer. And I know. I I know know where it comes from. But honestly, truly, when people say that I want to have a kid, I'm so excited. We are praising them, congratulating them, planning baby showers, doing all the duties. But as soon as we say, I don't don't know know if I want kids, people are like, no, right. No, that you you are a woman. You need to have kids. Kids are special. Kids are this. We got to stop that. If I say I don't know if I want to have kids or I don't want to have kids, say good for you. Yeah. Do what works for you. We need to be congratulating that as well. Like, good. You are affirmed in that decision. You feel good about it. Good. Yeah, I do. I do. I'm like, wow, look at what I see people online who are particularly childless, older women, late 30s, early 40s, thriving bosses. I'm like, I can see myself there. I can see myself not having the child in tow. Yeah. And I like it for me. And initially, I didn't know what my life would look like being a person in their 30s with no kids. Mm -hmm. But now that I'm a person in my 30s with no kids, I see it's not so bad. It's not. It's not. It's not not so bad. It's actually great for me. It's great for me. And we were saying it feels like the veil has been lifted. Yes. It's like, oh, that's not a fearful place. It's not a scary place to be a woman in her mid 30s with no children, as maybe society, our parents, previous generations tell us you don't want to get. Oh, oh, girl, you owe you. Exactly. And I feel like previous generations weren't as transparent as this current generation, which is why I was telling y'all on the last episode that I value Kayla so much Mm -hmm. because she is affirmed in her decision. She's also very transparent, which helps me get a varied perspective and also become affirmed in what I actually want because people are sharing the fucking real. And that's what I want. It's It's not just like, oh, you know, they're a blessing. We know they're a goddamn blessing. <laughs> we know they're a blessing. But what's really going on? <laughs> the gift and the curse. Yeah. So, you know what? My fertility looks like in being empowered and just standing firm and exercising my power of choice. Yes. And if you're wondering what your fertility looks like, we have some tips. Maybe you might find it in these solutions. We do. So, first step. Track your cycle so you know when you're ovulating. Mm-hmm. This is a cheat code for if you want to get pregnant or if you don't want to get pregnant. And anywhere in between. Yeah, this that's is, a good one. There, There is a window for when you can get pregnant. A very small one. Yeah. So knowing when that... Like six days out the month. Yes. And there's a day where it peaks. Yeah. So knowing that, baby, you can, you can, you can do things with that. Yeah, I, I'm a firm believer. I personally use the rhythm method with my partner, so I need to know what the hell is going on. And there have been times, honestly, truly, I'm going to keep it to Virgil's, where I thought I knew. And then I look down at that app and I'm like, baby, I too have looked down at the app and said, <gasps> and then it's a Michael Jordan crying face. I'm like, why? Why was I not tapped in? Mm. Why was I not tapped the fuck in? Yeah. So use the app. 
look at it before before things get hot and heavy. Just like, let me look. look I feel like on. it's gonna be a freaky night. What's right, going? Right, right. What's I'm going? Like, oh, no, babe. What's wait, going wait, on wait. with the app? He right. said one time. He said I need to put that app on my phone. Yes, I'm like, babe, put it on your phone <laughs> and look at or it. or knowing your mind. No, he needs. I've had partners who have known who know my my uh, cycle, but not the ovulation. They right. might be like, you know, they need it on their phone so they can be like, well, you started your period. Right, because I don't even, I don't even memorize that. I'm I don't like, uh, no. Okay, solution number two, y'all. Um, don't be afraid to have the hard conversations. These are some tough conversations that we're having with yourself, right? Coming to the realization of what is it that I want? Do I see myself childless by choice? Do I want to bring kids into the world? And if so, what steps do I need to take to make that a reality? Right. Have the hard conversations with your partner, Right. Babe, I don't know if I want to do this or not. What do you think? Be honest. Yeah. And sharing your perspective and also have the hard conversation with your doctor. Mm -hmm. Bring it to your physician, right? Say, I am this age. If they haven't started talking about fertility with you and you know you're of a certain age, mid to 30s, late 30s, even mid 20s, early um, late 20s, talk to them. I'm unpartnered. I'm thinking about a child. What are my options? I'm 35. Can we do a fertility test? Yeah. Can we assess how many eggs I have? There's so many options that we do have and we just have to exercise our choices. Definitely. Speaking about the hard conversations with the partner, it's so funny that in my previous relationships, I, and even honestly in this relationship before I learned that I could just be my full self and it's okay for me to have my own opinions and and share them and not have an anxious attachment style and be curious if somebody's going to leave depending on what I say. Okay. That's the context. I would be like, well, what do you want to do? Right. How do you feel about it? Mm -hmm. You know, and not examining myself. How do I feel about it? What do I want to do? And also bringing that to the table as something to consider. It's not just my partner. And if you feel like that, right, I don't want to tell my partner I don't want to have kids or maybe my mind has changed or maybe they don't want to have kids. And I do because that's also a situation. It is where decisions change, minds change and compatibility may change because of those things, girl. And it's better for us to be upfront and honest so that we know how to work through and navigate those situations. Either we separate or figure out how we can come to a collaborative decision. Yeah, so everybody just remains happy. I agree. happy with yourself. I agree. And just like I value the freedom and the option of choice, I have to grant that same option to whoever I'm partnered with because you're so right. Not being 100% transparent about that strips the person of choice. We need to be operating from the same space. This is what I want. This is what I want. Do you want the same thing? Do they align? And not operating from lack of Am I going to still be valuable? Are you still going to want me? Because as we go down the line and then it really comes time to make these hard decisions, we'll be in between a rock and a motherfucking hard place. Or not showing up authentically. Yeah. Because you showed up full. And then I realized like. And being resentful. Exactly. We'll be like, oh, I compromised. But really it became a sacrifice. Listen. And we're not doing that. You don't have to pay the price. We're not doing that. So last tip. If you are partnered and you have been trying to conceive and you've, um, you know, done the things that you need to do, consider having your partner look into their fertility as well. Mm -hmm. This is a two way street, honey. We both are bringing something to the table or we're not. Right. So male infertility is a real thing. Have your partner go get checked and look at their sperm count, all of that so that you can just cancel out anything that may be going wrong and get to the bottom of it and then get what you actually desire. Roots. 
Get to the roots of it, y'all. The root cause. Yes. Okay. I love all those. Things. It takes two, baby. It, it takes two, two, baby. Me and you. Yes, y'all. So stay tuned. We've got a conversation with the host of Dope Labs podcast, TT and Zaki. Hey, Bookies, we got something special for you. Are you ready to dive into a celebration of blackness that's as diverse as the experience it represents? Well, NPR has got you covered with Black Stories, Black Truths. This is a groundbreaking collection that's more than just a podcast. It's Revelation. What does black representation in media mean to you? Because to me, it's about breaking down stereotypes, challenging biases, and... Also showcasing the rich tapestry of black experiences. For sure. Absolutely. And Black Stories, Black Truths is the epitome of this celebration. Each episode is a living account of what it truly means to be black today. And it's told from a unique black perspective. And I feel like these aren't just stories like the narratives of joy, resilience, empowerment, and also the incredible ability to create world shifting things out of the struggle. Seriously, you'll hear about everything from pop culture icons like Bobby Shmurda to The Wire, Michelle Obama to discussions on vital topics like reparations, y'all. There's really no limit to the range of Black stories, Black truths. Have you tuned in yet? One of my favorite episodes is the one on how real self-care takes real systemic change. That's a must listen. Yeah, I really think the hosts bring a tone that's celebratory. It's also informative and reflective, which I really can appreciate. Every episode is a journey. It offers a range of emotions and perspectives that keeps you hooked from start to finish. As soon as I turn it on, I'm like, "Mm." and let's not forget black perspectives haven't always been at the forefront of America's story. But now they are the story. Period. So this is not just a podcast, y'all. It's a collection of some of NPR's best episodes showcasing the brilliance and resilience of the black experience. And we know NPR is known for its commitment to diverse storytelling. But with them presenting black stories, black truths, I would say that this is NPR with the noir twist. (laughs) So what are you waiting for? Turn on NPR today and immerse yourself in a range of voices as varied, nuanced, and black as the incredible country we reflect. And remember, stories should never be about us without us. Listen now to Black Stories, Black Truths from NPR, available wherever you get your podcast. Y'all should know by now that we love progression over here. Let's chat about what everyday progress truly means to us. Whether it's hitting those small milestones or treating ourselves to a little something something after a month of disciplined budgeting, progress is all about balance and staying motivated. And speaking of budgeting and reaching financial goals while still enjoying life's little pleasures, have you heard about Chime? Chime's checking account offers some amazing features that can help you along your financial journey. Let me tell you about one feature that really stands out to me. Chime's Spot Me. We've all been there, right? Dealing with overdraft fees can really throw a wrench in your financial plans. But with Chime, you can overdraft up to $200 with no fees. You heard me right. No fees. It's like having a safety net for those unexpected moments. Y'all, I had a friend who was always getting hit with hefty overdraft fees. It was a mess trying to sort it out. How do you really get ahead with that? 
But with Chime, you can avoid those headaches and get back on track with ease. Plus, Chime isn't just a bank, it's a community. With Boost, you can increase your spot me limit by receiving boosts from your friends. It's like having your financial back covered by your squad. So, if you're ready to take control of your finances and wave goodbye to those pesky monthly fees, open your Chime account today. Just head over to Chime.com slash bravado. That's Chime.com slash bravado. Chime feels like progress. Banking services and debit card provided by the Bankcourt Bank NA or Stride Bank NA. Members FDIC. Spot me eligibility requirements and overdraft limits apply. Boosts are available to eligible Chime members enrolled in SpotMe and are subject to monthly limits. Terms and conditions apply. Go to Chime.com slash disclosures for details. Ladies, let's talk real talk here. You probably have days when the PMS has you feeling like you could eat anything in sight. My goodness, the cravings and the general discomfort. Well, say goodbye to those days with Hormone Harmony from Happy Mammoth. Let's dive into why Hormone Harmony is not just another supplement, but a true game changer. First off, it's not just a trend. It's a phenomenon. Social media is buzzing with women singing praises about Hormone Harmony. In fact, a bottle flies off the shelves every 24 seconds. Can y'all believe that? Now let's talk about Happy Mammoth, the brilliant minds behind this wonderful product. They're all about making your life easier, and that means no compromises on quality. They've meticulously crafted Hormone Harmony using only science-backed ingredients proven to work wonders for women like us. But here's my favorite part. Hormone Harmony contains adaptogens, nature's little miracle workers. These herbal extracts help your body adapt to life stressors, especially those pesky hormonal changes that can throw us off balance. And here's the kicker. Hormone Harmony isn't just for menopause. It's your secret weapon against those hormonal imbalances that can wreak havoc on your life. From hot flashes and night sweats to racing thoughts and low moods, Hormone Harmony has got your back. And yes, it even tackles the occasional bloat and that not tonight boo feeling. (laughs) The real benefit here, the real win, feeling like yourself again. That's why countless women are raving about it in over 17,000 glowing reviews. We love a verified product, honey. Now here's your chance to experience the magic firsthand. For a limited time, you can get a fabulous 15% off your entire first order at happymammoth.com. Just use the code BRAVADO at checkout. So what are you waiting for, homegirl? Say hello to balanced hormones and goodbye to those days of feeling like a roller coaster. Your journey to hormone harmony starts now. Okay, y'all, so we are so excited for today's conversation. We are talking to two dope podcast hosts, TT and Zakia. They are Black women scientists who executive produce and host the Dope Labs podcast, which I am a fan of. And if you haven't heard of it, go listen to it because you will be a fan of it too. So on Dope Labs, they serve up scientific principles with a healthy dose of tea. And you know we love a little mix and the mingle over we here. Do. We like we like the the combination. So TT and Zakia, welcome to the show. We are so excited to have you guys here. Girls, 
here with us today. (laughs) Thank you so much for having us. We're very excited to be here. So let our listeners know who y'all are, your journey, how you got here, the whole, the whole spiel. I'm Titi and that's Zakia. And we have been friends since grad school. We became very, very fast friends. She was already in grad school when I started. And so she really like took me under her wing because I thought, okay, there's no way I'm finishing this degree. We bonded and struggle (laughs) and also bonded over drinks a lot of the time. And we had a really great time talking to each other about our research, about other people's research. And when we were out at bars and things like that, people would come up to us. My friend Zakia has never met a stranger. And (laughs) she's always going to talk to strangers. Me, I'm like, stranger danger, no. (laughs) And people would ask us, you know, what are your names? What do you guys do? We say that, you know, we're both PhD students. And they would ask what in, and we would say, you know, I'm in engineering, Zakia's in genetics and genomics. All the floodgates were open, and people would just start asking us all of these questions that felt like were burning a hole in their hearts that they had been holding on to, but felt like too, what would you say, embarrassed to ask? I don't know. You know, when people start having drinks, it's different. It's very different. conversation yeah. can go so many ways. Uh-huh, uh-huh. <laughs> and so we had people just asking us questions like, I don't really understand rainbows and I don't really understand buoyancy and DNA doesn't really make sense to me. And we were like, okay, yeah, that's fair. Um, Let's talk about it. And so through that process, we were like, you know, there's really a space for us to create a safe space for folks to get some of the questions that they've always had answered and show them that science is really everywhere. And everyone is a scientist deep down inside and make it fun. And I think like one of the things we really try to do is help people see like, OK, everything deserves to be questioned. I think like if you think back to what you were really learning in science, nobody was going to say that, you know, understanding what's going on with your edges is really science. Ooh, ooh, baby, it is. Baby, it is. <laughs> yes. And if your explore page look like my explore page, you definitely know that it is. Right. And so I think one of the things we really try to do with Dope Labs is help people see like uh, there's some science all around, all around you. And don't think that you got to have on a lab coat and glasses, not fashionable glasses like TT has on, but you know, like. I was about to say, okay, we'll pause. (laughs) (laughs) But don't think you got to look a certain way and only talk a certain way and be stiff and dry. And that's what it takes to be a scientist because that's not it. Period. I love, okay, I'm a scientist too. Yeah. Referring to me as such. I knew I was a scientist once you guys broke down the science of cuff and seizing. I said, okay. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> like, period. Yes, we are all scientists because I know it's some science behind this shit. It so is. yes, you guys it is. are so right. So I love that you all are best friends who became best friends in the struggle. It's funny because Germany and I have a similar tale oh, of how do. we became best friends in the struggle um, as you all know, we met in college. We were line sisters. Um, the struggle doesn't get much I was about to say, okay, we're <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> A really deep, deep, painful struggle. <laughs> yes. So being that you all are two Black women who are also in science, um, we had a conversation a couple episodes ago about navigating corporate America, how we sometimes have to show up palatable, mm-hmm. um, especially in those settings. How do you both navigate that space as Black women in this very um, white space? White space, yeah, <laughs> right. white. That's the perfect word for it. White. <laughs> white. 
it's been a, quite a journey. We came along in like scientific pipeline, I guess, uh, when things were kind of starting to change. When we were in grad school, I mean, we were already in grad school. We were saying, OK, what is it going to take to have our own community like we got to help each other. And so we had a group in grad school. It was for anybody that was in the sciences getting a PhD that was a minority. Um, and that's actually how I knew TT so well, because I was president of this society. It was called the Boucher Society. It was the, after Edward Alexander Boucher, who was, I think, the first black man to get his PhD. And he got it at Yale in the sciences. You paved the way. <laughs> you paved the way. <laughs> you opened up a door. <laughs> yes. Thank you, Dr. Boucher. And so <laughs> we um, had this group and we would just like stick together. And it was it was like the underground railroad of information, right? Because people were saying like, don't work with this advisor. If this person is on your committee, do things this way. And so we were already building our own community. And I think that was like my first experience separate from like some little summer programs I had done in undergrad. Like that was my first experience of like community building in like an academic setting in that way. And I think I was chasing that like at every other institution after and, and baby, these institutions do not love you back. And I think that was the lesson um, that I was able to learn pretty early on. So I would, I went on after grad school to get uh, to do my postdoc and to become a tenure track assistant professor. And then I was like, mm-hmm. they really don't love you back. And so I think some of that is, you know, as you continue to grow and develop and kind of spread your wings and you're like, okay, I'm learning all these things. I'm doing all these things. But some of this is, not adding up you, you know what people are saying is not matching what they're doing and you find oh I'm both doing diversity work and doing all the teaching and doing you know all this training and girl underpaid yeah can't one. be all of that now can't be all of those <laughs> and so I think some of it was creating our own spaces like with dope labs where we can say okay this is how we talk and we get people writing us and saying, oh, if you talk like this or if you said it this way, you would seem much more scientific or much yeah. more professional. Fuck them. Seriously. <laughs> right? <laughs> Girl, what the heck? You know, I commend you for even being in the education system. I thought about that at one point. I was in grad school and I was like, oh, I need to get a doctoral degree and make an impact in the Cal State system. Child, when I really got to looking through some things, I said, hold on. I don't think it's for me. I don't think it's from I'm going to go ahead and sit that down and let the stronger queens take care of it. So I'm glad you are holding the flame. You just realized earlier than we did. Okay. (laughs) But it's so commendable. It's admirable. I love it. I love it. Do you have anything to add, TT, or did Zakia just take it away? Zakia summed it up really nicely. I mean, finding community was something that was really important and something that, honestly, I've learned from Zakia. As soon as I showed up to Duke and someone pointed me in that direction, And she pulled me in so tightly and so closely, like, I really felt like, okay, this is a team effort. I'm not just by myself having to struggle alone. Like, there's somebody who's also struggling, but also knows more than I know and is willing to help me. Because sometimes in the scientific space, it can feel like dog eat dog. Like, people are hiding notes. People are throwing away your books because they're trying to mess up the curve so that you can't study and all these things like that. But when I met Zakia, it, it was the exact opposite. It was like, listen, we can all get it. There's enough success to go around for all of us. So let's, let's get it. And it was just so refreshing and so rejuvenating and made me really excited about the possibilities when it came to my career. So like she said, I, I, after that, I searched for it everywhere I go. And that w- that's something that's really important. That was and still is ve- a very por- important part of my career. I love that. I love that. 
What TT's not saying is she had whiplash when I pulled her in. <laughs> I love that y'all found each other. Yeah, though. she's like, girl, put I on love- your lipstick. We're going to the bar. <laughs> <laughs> you are not playing around. Sisterhood is so important yes. to us. Um, you know, I love to see that you guys are not only two best friends, but two best friends who work together mm-hmm. through your podcast. Yeah. Like Brittany and I, I wonder how has it been working together? How do you guys balance? working, having some sort of gig together and your friendship because you both appear and I'm sure are very smart and, you know, ready, assertive. How does that work for you all in friendship and in work? I'm going to let TT take that. I I think it works really well. And I feel like it is because of who Zakia is. I'm really going to just shine a light on her really quickly. She really knows her strengths and she knows my strengths. And she wants everybody to shine. So in the areas where Mm -hmm. she knows that I'm going to do well, she is like, take it away. You see how she said, TT, I'm going to let you take that. Like, she's like, take it away, girl, (laughs) because she really wants all of her friends to shine. And so when we started doing the podcast together, it just fits so well into our normal friendship because we talk to each other all the time. We're always sending, we're talking on every platform, Twitter, Instagram. (laughs) Right. Uh, she's she's facetiming me she we're doing we're doing it all and so adding the show to a as a place where we communicate with each other I felt like deepened our friendship and also illuminated some areas where we could balance each other out where you know I can be really tightly wound and anxious and Zakia would be like oh girl you the best to ever do it you you're gonna kill it you 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 the greatest mm. woman alive mm. you the smartest woman i know you the most beautiful woman i know and i'm like oh uh-huh. gosh, yes and i just try and reciprocate that love and that energy uh-huh. and it really just feeds our friendship like without the show we would still be friends i know we would still be friends i know i hope you know it now <laughs> but we we had a whole episode on attachment styles and my attachment style is anxious not conducive is very anxious okay so I always think like okay this person doesn't want to be my friend anymore this friendship is done it's okay and Zakia's like girl where are you going yeah I'm like we just started we just getting started we just getting to the good part (laughs) also I'm a last minute person and TT is a planner and so I think you know when you try to balance I don't know how it is for y'all we'll tell Um, you I want to know yeah (laughs) I want to know because I was like you know I think I'm cooling and my friend is going through it (laughs) and so it can be really hard and I think when you feel really comfortable with somebody Mm -hmm. you know they're gonna love you regardless I too think that um our friendship is very very balanced uh, what Brittany is strong in she's strong in and I tell her that all the time there are certain things we do not do the same things well to get like both of us you know like we both are strong but I really love that Brittany brings things to the table that I just do not possess and I feel like vice versa so it's really easy to lean on her for certain things because I'm like girl you got it Mm -hmm. you got it I know you have it because I don't yeah I wonder do you ever have disagreements related to science though do you ever feel like girl no I'm not mm -mm. we don't see eye to eye on that no because I think once again we do not have overlapping spaces of knowledge except the mitochondria is the powerhouse of the cell that's the only thing that we know that's the same okay now tt is an engineer and the stuff that she knows i don't know the things i look at are small and you need a microscope and they are alive and the things she understands it's like oh of course 
I'm on a plane. I don't mind flying, but in my mind, I only feel really safe flying over land. When I fly over the ocean, it doesn't feel right. And she's like, it's the same. It's the same thing. You have to understand. And I was like, how do these planes even work? Why does it smell like that before it takes off? I'm like, it's physics, girl. It's going phys- Physics going to help us. <laughs> I don't know any of that stuff. Now, <laughs> things related to genetics and chromosomal abnormalities, I'm your girl. So we don't know. I don't think we have overlapping areas to even be able to disagree. I just defer to her on all things physics, chemistry, material science, engineering. And everything under the biology mm-hmm. umbrella. I just close my eyes, close my mind, and I say, Zaki, you got it. <laughs> <laughs> exactly, girl. Turn it to Ray Charles. Ray Charles and you. Yeah. <laughs> That's how I be. <laughs> <laughs> things I don't know, I'm like, Brittany, you know I don't know the graphics, girl. Don't even open Canva on my computer. Oh, yes. <laughs> Yo, that aligns with us a lot. <laughs> You're really speaking. You're really speaking to me. I'd be like, hey, don't send me that Canva link, please. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know what to do with that. Mm-hmm. I'm like, we can make an Girl, animation. No. We <laughs> operate in our strings around here. That is the cheat code to life. That really is. So let's get into it, ladies. We know that you all are scientists. So we thought that you would be great to have this conversation with, not saying that you are fertility experts, but you are women. And I think that is, um, we just want to talk with other women about this topic because it's been kind of taboo, especially amongst black women. We don't talk about fertility like that. Um, And it's funny because at our big age, we're in our thirties, a lot of us don't have even the slightest bit of knowledge about our fertility, how it works. Our producer was sharing with us that she's 36 and she just started this year tracking her ovulation cycle. Mm -hmm. And that happens a lot of us. Sometimes we don't tap into it until we are like, okay, I'm ready to have a child now or I ain't ready. You know, I got a pregnancy scare and now I need to figure out how my body is working because things are happening. You know what I'm saying? So We wanted to have this conversation with the both of you just so we can unpack this a little more and just make this taboo topic not as taboo in our community. So I will start off by saying how much of your fertility is like a conversation or even a thought for you? Like, do you do you both want to have children? Do you have children? I don't have children. Fertility, I think it's just like you said, like, it's not something that folks talk about until it's like you're in a certain life circumstance and like in like the traditional sense where it's like, oh, you and -and so-and-so just got married. So the next step is kids. I think for me, everything that you just said is very true. Like I've, I never thought about it. I hadn't been thinking about it until I got married and then everyone started asking me. When are you going to have kids? When are you going to have kids? When are you going to have kids? And then I was like, I guess we got to have kids. (laughs) (laughs) We still don't have any kids, but it's just like, it's it's not because we just are like, when's the right time? Figuring out like, when's the right time for us? What makes sense? And I think that everybody, like once you get above a certain age, like I'm 35 now, people are like, okay, girl. Right. Like clock's ticking. You got to hurry up. But I don't think that that's necessarily true. I mean, I think it's true for some people where, you know, past a certain age, you know, their your fertility becomes, you know, something like after you after 35, they, they call you if you get pregnant, geriatric mm-hmm. pregnancy. And and that scares people. But I mean, 
we've all seen people who've been able to get pregnant when they're in their 40s and things like that. I think that the idea of the biological clock for millennials is kind of like being pushed back a little bit where the generation before us, they were having kids in their 20s, in their early 20s. Now that sounds crazy to me. I'm like, girl, you a baby, the baby (laughs) having babies. If I had a baby at 25, (laughs) that child, their future would be in jeopardy. Um, So I think that millennials are kind of changing how we look at fertility, how we look at life planning. And I think that for black women, we have to also take the reins on our lives and make those decisions, ask the right questions, talk to our doctors to create the life that we want, because you can have the life that you want. Mm -hmm. Um, For some people having a child at 35 seems like having a child at 25. Like right now is just not the right time. I don't have the things that I want to have in place in place. And they should have that luxury of understanding how their body works and the options that they have moving forward to make the necessary decisions when the time comes. Period. Totally agree. How about you, Zakia? I mean, I agree with everything TT said, except I'm not married, right? And so, and I'm from the South, right? And so I feel like, even though I I wouldn't think of this, like when I thought back on like while you were asking TT, when you were saying, do you think of your fertility? And I was like, "Uh, not right now, but that's because I'm a woman in STEM and technology allows us to not think about those things if we don't want Mm -hmm. to. But I can remember even when I was younger, like, older people talking about other girls and be like, oh, this person is fast or she's pregnant. And, you know, like just things that are related to having kids. And I mean, even when I was in high school, somebody, you know, people were having kids in high school and I know how they were talked about. Yeah. Like a dog. Yeah. Like a dog, you know? And Mm -hmm. so there are things, it's so interesting. It feels like a catch 22 because on one hand, don't have a, don't get pregnant too young, but don't wait too late. And don't get pregnant without having a husband or a partner. And, oh, Mm -hmm. y'all are now together. Why are you taking so long to have a kid? Mm -hmm. And don't have a kid if you don't have a lot of money. But, you know, it's just like all of these parameters. And I'm like, you can't please nobody with the sweet. What what is this? Does the sweet spot even exist? (laughs) No. No, I don't think it's real. And and it's funny that we've been talking about, like, considering when are you looking into your fertility or do you even look into your fertility? Because like Brittany mentioned, we're in our thirties. And initially when I was in my mid twenties, I feel like I was behind. I was like, damn, I'm not married. I don't have children. Mm. And as I grew older and still don't have children, I'm partnered, but not married. I just feel like it's not so scary. I'm not afraid of like what life looks like without kids because I'm in this position where I'm like, oh, I'm thriving right now, right? But even myself, I have not even looked into my fertility. I don't know what the fuck, what's what's going on in there? The eggs might be over easy, child. Scramble, I don't know. And I'm like, Lord, I don't <laughs> I don't know. And it's, and it's funny as we were looking and doing research for this episode, learning that our fertility decreases significantly after 35. Like you're dealing with way less eggs. The quality is worse, not as good. I said, oh my gosh. So, I mean, it's a lot to consider, but we having the knowledge and the information makes us more empowered and liberated to make the decisions that we need to make when the time comes. I agree. And we all know that fertility treatments, um, can be very expensive, Mm -hmm. but it's unfortunate that it's not even discussed because 
when you're doing your family planning or life planning, as you mentioned, TT, this is something that comes before before you decide that you want to have children, right? right? It's some when you're freezing your eggs, like you said, um, or thinking about fertility, freezing eggs is one of the options for that. If you're 25 and you're like, I don't want to have kids. I know I'm definitely not ready right now, but that doesn't mean I don't want to have them at all. That's something that would be better to do when you're younger, because like you said, you have more eggs. The quality quality of the eggs is different when you're of younger age. And then once you get older, you can decide, okay, do I actually still want to have children or is it a no for me? But you still have the freedom of choice. Right. But I think the only downside to that is who has money to freeze their eggs at 25? Exactly. But, you know, I was listening to something and they made a great point. They said that we got to bring the family into it because family saves for college. They save to get you a car. We can start having the conversations of like, hey, can you put some money aside for my egg freezing? (laughs) Because... Who was the first one asking you, when are you going to give me some grandkids? Uh, when I'm getting some baby out of you? When are you giving me a few coins to contribute to the process? Yeah. <laughs> I love Put that. Put something on it. Create a kitty. Create a kitty. <laughs> right. And, and it's wild because men aren't having these conversations. These are conversations that are specifically for women. And it's unfair because there are plenty of men who want to have kids that aren't having kids who are living their lives and achieving the goals that they have planning their lives saying when I'm 40 I want to be doing this when I'm 50 I want to be doing that and nobody's saying well when are you going to have kids everybody's just like you're so ambitious yes oh my gosh you're the you're the greatest but women it's like okay I understand y'all have this hit podcast right. Jamel Hill is telling y'all that y'all the greatest alive <laughs> y'all are on in every magazine, oh. on every website, but you need to think about having babies, girl. It's like, um, hello, right? Do you see me shining? Listen, not that a child is going to dim my light, <laughs> but can I can I do the things that I want to do in the order that I want to do it? Because if you were a man, they wouldn't be asking you that; no. they'd just be applauding, yeah. and that's it. And you know, speaking of men, because I have one who's a, <laughs> he's <laughs> younger than me, though, right? I'm 34. Yeah. Um, and we were talking, I had to really bring to his attention. Sometimes I had to remind him that I'm older than him. And I said, do you see children? Do you see yourself as a father? Because the older I get, like I said, I mother doesn't look like it's in my future. I'm like, I don't really know if I see it for myself, but do you see it for yourself? And he's like, yeah, but like not now, not at least in like three to four years. And I'm like, (laughs) who's carrying your child at 40? Who's doing that? It was like maybe five, maybe 35. We're four years apart. It's not, I don't know if it's it's really not going to be for me then. I said, we're going to have to put it on the altar and revisit it when the time comes because I just don't know. I just don't know. But it's the fact that he has that liberty and that privilege to be like, I'll think about it in a few years. He's not thinking about freezing no sperm, no nothing. He's just letting it flow. It's no tea. It's no tea. And I'm like, "Mm -mm mm-mm-mm. But that's the interesting part, right? Like, because people think about infertility and fertility only being related to women, mm-hmm. but there's male a, infertility. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yo, yeah. hookah baby. Right. <laughs> Cigarette smoking, you know, <laughs> you out here having hen and mm-hmm. coke with the boys. Mm-hmm. Like all those things. They're, they're overexposure mm-hmm. to, to certain ways of life mm-hmm. uh, can lead to male infertility. And I think historically mm-hmm. people have always focused on 
women being the cause of, or like it being a responsibility of women, like yeah. fertility mm-hmm. rests solely on women. And I'm like, ah, oh, that's not quite the case. Yeah. yeah. We, we carry a lot on our backs. It's like, get right. it up off me. It ain't only on me. I will, <laughs> I will share an article and say, look, you guys, Honestly. <laughs> you can treat yeah. me. Here, hold this. So, are you aware of some natural mm-hmm. ways to like monitor fertility? I think some of the ways that you talked about is some of the easiest ways or lowest like barrier to entry ways. Um, purchasing ovulation kits and tracking your ovulation to make sure that you are ovulating when your ovulation days are. There are apps that can give you free apps that can give you a general idea of when you might be ovulating, when you might be fertile. So monitoring your cycles and inputting all the information that you need to. And also just seeing a doctor and getting a pap smear, getting checkups during the, at the times where they say they should. I know back in the day, it used to be like you had to get a pap smear like once a year or something like yeah. that. And now it's like once every Four, three to five, uh, yeah. depending on your age. I be running mine up. So I'm like, uh-uh, don't, don't miss that. <laughs> I'm like, do it anyway. Miss <laughs> Girl, I'm like, and put it in a chart. You declined. <laughs> I'll be telling <laughs> because they ain't gonna get missed over here yeah yeah i think that ovulation kits are are really great because what some women find tracking their ovulation some women find that they aren't ovulating when they think they are or so they're not going through that the the typical um patterns that you have in your menstruation cycle and now that's a great first step to know okay something is atypical let me go to the doctor and talk to them about it and discuss my options and what that means and if there's anything I can do to help this situation and then if you are ovulating and you want to have a child then you can plan accordingly and you can say okay these are the days that I that I'm going to try with my partner and see what happens I think typically they say if you are trying to get pregnant if you are under 35 it takes a year or if it, it's been a year and you've been trying, you've been tracking your ovulation and um, having sex during the times when you are fertile and ovulating and you haven't been able to get pregnant, then you need to go see an OBGYN. Um, and then if you are, if it's, if you're over 35, then it's, they give you six months and then you should start trying to talk to a doctor to figure out what you should do. They'll, they'll run blood tests. They'll do ultrasounds. They'll look at your your uterus, your ovaries to make sure that everything's okay, that you don't have any, any issues that you're unaware about. Um, and you can also ask your partner to do the same just to make sure that, you know, it's not all on you. Like Zakia was saying that they are also getting checked out. They can check their sperm count and make sure that take blood tests, make sure that everything with their home, their hormones are um, typical and conducive to you having a baby. And if you're over 45, not even waiting the six months. Like you should talk to a doctor yes. as soon as you decide you want to be pregnant. Period. That's great. Mm-hmm. Those are great mm-hmm. pointers and markers to check. And I definitely agree that tracking your period is your friend. There is so much power in tracking the period. Mm-hmm. I remember in my ignorance about how this whole shit worked. I'm thinking every time I'm having sex, it's an opportunity to get pregnant. And I'm like, hold on, hold on. What's going on? What's going on? I can't get pregnant. I can't get pregnant. <laughs> But of course, the more that I researched and like learned the power of ovulation and tracking it, 
I I realized that I have way more control over this than I mm-hmm. thought just by having like knowing when my period starts, mm-hmm. how long my cycle is. Everyone's cycle is not the same. I personally have a very short, short. cycle. It's like every time I turn around, it's like, okay, period, period, period. I And I realized that that is an indicator of being very fertile. And I'm like, it makes sense because I have been pregnant before. I don't have a child but I have been pregnant before. So I'm like, I need to really be on it with this because baby girl, mm-hmm. a baby boy or girl yeah. can come easily with me. And I, mm-hmm. uh-uh. <laughs> so it's your, it's your friend. It is your friend. Cause I've been, <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah. And some people use that as a, me- a method of birth control, tracking their, and so they know exactly when they can have sex and, and not get pregnant. Now I'm not saying to be out here unprotected, you know, but that is one of the methods that folks use to yeah, that's definitely. my as birth control. Yeah, if you use responsibly, yeah. you definitely can use that as a form of birth control. You just have to be on, on it. it. Yeah, because I've been off it before mm-hmm. and had to do some other. I'm like, wait, I'm like, it's green. I'm like, what? Yeah. but at any point, at any rate, I digress. <laughs> TT, you made a comment that millennials are really changing what it looks like for us to like plan our families, how long we're waiting. And Mm -hmm. TikTok girl has all the girlies talking about their fertility preservation and really taking it into their own hands. I've even seen some younger queens who are like early thirties getting their tubes tied because they are choosing to be childless. And I think that is so empowering. Absolutely. Um, Another method would be freezing your eggs, right? Mm -hmm. Have you all considered or thought about if you would take those means into your own hands. Like I'm I'm gonna freeze my eggs. I'm down. This is something I think this first came like on my radar in grad school. Like in the twenty I think it was like twenty thirteen when I was really uh, this was like on my radar because somebody I knew was doing IVF and mm. in vitro fertilization. And I just remember it was a white woman and I remember thinking like how is she doing this? This felt like Something I had only seen in movies and television, right? I was yeah. like, she's going to the moon, right? Mm. Like, I was like, how is she affording this? <laughs> right. And we were all in mm-hmm. grad school. She right. was also in grad school. Mm-hmm. And she had, she was the queen of the side hustle. She had a whole different side hustle. And she was saying like, it costs a lot to do it. And she, she was married. And so her husband was contributing to, and um, I think that was the first time I saw this kind of process of like, freezing your mm-hmm. eggs and like taking hormones. She was taking shots um, to, you know, mm-hmm. I want to go to increase, increase the, the yeah, the egg production and to increase egg mm-hmm. maturation. And so all of this stuff, I mean, I knew that was what was happening in the body. So she's taking synthetic versions of the hormones we naturally produce and still trying to go about her day. And she did more than one round. And I was just like, girl, it was so much to it. But that's if you're doing the complete, you know, IVF process. And then I think later on, I haven't been in the position where I was like, okay, I'm going to get pregnant. So I haven't thought about freezing my eggs for me. I feel like I'm a great auntie. And (laughs) it has me in a chokehold. Yes. I'm a great auntie. (laughs) And maybe I could be somebody's great stepmama, but mm, I just have, I don't really see it for me either. Okay. And so I was like, well, maybe I could freeze my eggs and donate them to somebody else. And I was like, oh, expensive. Mm. Um, Because I think there has been a conversation about sperm banks Mm. and 
and egg donation and the kind of underrepresentation mm-hmm. of black folks in those spaces. And so if you want to have a little brown yes. baby, you got to have brown starting materials, you know? Um, and yeah, so I've thought about it in that way. That's such a great point because I've known people to do like artificial insemination and they go to sperm banks and all the sperm is from white men. And so it's their, their options are limited. You know, they want to have, you know, a, a black brown child and they're like, okay, well there are no black little to no black men that are donating sperm. Yeah. It's a thing. It's definitely a thing. Uh, We read about that and I was just taken away because I honestly, personally, have never never thought about freezing my eggs. Right. Because for me, becoming a parent hasn't really been on my to-do list. It's always been a, well, if it happens and I'm ready for it, then great. But I think for those who can't afford it or if you... um like have a job that covers it because not a lot of insurance companies do, right? Mm -hmm. It has to be either if it's like a health-related reason, if maybe you're going through chemotherapy or going to have a surgery that might affect your um, eggs in a negative way, then that's when it's covered by insurance. But if it's just something that you just want to do to preserve your fertility, you have to pay for that out of your own pocket. We know it's super expensive. Um, but say you decide, like we said, to let your family c- contribute or you work the multiple side hustles like homegirl in grad school. I think doing that as soon as possible is best. It is. Yeah. I would too. I, I haven't considered it for myself because um, it's an extensive process. You mentioned that your um, grad school homegirl was doing the shots, the hormones, because during the egg retrieval process, you do have to take more hormones so that the ovaries have more eggs follicles on them and typically they want to get I think between seven to ten or twenty eggs and sometimes you have to do multiple cycles and it looks painful and that alone scared me but if you are brave then I think you should yeah if it's something you really want yeah yeah and also you know what else I seen a cheat code People have been going outside of the states outside of the country to do their egg freezing I seen one lady who was in her 30s. She lives in New York. She went to London to get hers done and paid half the price per round. I think it was like 14000 here and it was 6000 there. But I mean, per round. Well, investment, heavy investment. But they've been ahead of us like in the scientific area around this particularly. Because mm-hmm. a lot of this is related to like legislation. So once again, mm-hmm. lawmakers controlling these bodies and what you can do. So yes. egg freezing has been done like since the eighties. Okay. It feels new to us because it wasn't allowed here until like 2013. And so where it could Mm. be, where it was no longer Mm. like experimental and it was being offered by all these clinics, but it has been in in, Mm -hmm. like London since the 2000s. So I think by the time you were able to get more facilities, more opportunities, you can kind of lower the cost. That's like what people are doing with, uh, um, lipping ears and things. Yeah. People are going Mm -hmm. different countries to get, Period. Yeah. Yeah. It's just important to to do your research. Make sure that you are if you if that's the route that you choose, that you are choosing doctors that are board certified Mm -hmm. experts in their field to make sure that, you know, the things that are being injected to you are what they are, that you aren't being scammed and that you doing it in the, the safest way possible, because even for it to retrieve the eggs, they have to put you under. So you really need to be making sure that you're going to 
doctors that you trust. I think it's something that you should talk to your doctor about, even if you aren't thinking about it right now. Have a, a longer conversation with them about about your life planning. And a good OB is going to sit there and listen to you and try and help you with figuring it out and tell you what your options are and explain to you how, how these different things work so that you can put yourself in, in the right position. Period. Yes. Yeah. And talk to your friends. Have conversations, you know, open dialogue. Absolutely. Absolutely. Fertility and infertility is not talked about amongst black people, women, black women. We're underrepresented in these clinics when it comes down to going and get resources, like you mentioned, and we also talked about, um, there's not even black sperm, little black babies can't even make it here. I know. Totally agree. Absolutely. And in the same vein of, of advocating for yourself, you know, black women are three times more likely to die in pregnancy and postpartum than our white counterparts. And so having a, having a child is not something where it's just like, that's why I'm always like, when, mind your business. When people are asking all these questions, I'm like, this isn't because this black women in the United States, let me be clear. In other countries, this is not a, a as big of an issue. Black women in the United States are three times more likely to die in pregnancy and postpartum. So when people are trying to pressure black women specifically, it really pisses me off. Because it's not just a decision about, oh, just have a baby. You know, you you need to have kids. That's a part of life. Like this is a some in some of these instances, this is a life or death uh, decision that you're that you have to make. Like because you need to get quality care. You need to have, surround yourself with doc, doctors that are going to believe you when you are speaking to them. That are going to be giving you the best care that they can. And you have all the resources necessary to be able to get you through your pregnancy and through the postpartum. Look at somebody like Serena Williams, who has all the money in the world. She's very successful. She is the greatest athlete to ever walk this planet. And even she was did not have access to healthcare providers that would just listen to her, would just believe her when she was saying that she is in pain, she's experiencing these things. And it almost took her life. So these are decisions that we all have to make in our lives, and we shouldn't take them lightly. Like Talk to talk to your doctors. If you have funny feelings about your doctors, if you and if you can find a new doctor, don't feel like you have to be tied to that doctor. I've kicked a few doctors to the curb, like my general care person. I was like, no, this isn't going to work because I need to come in here and feel like you aren't just going to write me a prescription for antibiotics every time I come in here. I need you to listen to me, understand and, you know, talk to me and try and give me the best care possible. And so much of that is, like you said, having these conversations. I mean, TT and I talk, she'll say, I talked to this doctor. They said this and I'm like, "Mm, that doesn't sound right. (laughs) And, you know, and so having these kind of communities or friendships where you can talk about this kind of stuff with people your same age, like as you continue to age, everybody starts hitting the same Mm -hmm. kind of biological issues around the same time. I'm like, why mm-hmm. everybody I know talking about sciatica? Like, why is everybody having pain <laughs> down their leg? <laughs> you know, all at the same time. Yes, honey. I 10 years it. ago, never heard of it. I would have been like, is that a Latin word? Okay. And so it's just, also, I feel like there's, we have this responsibility to tell people that are younger than us. Like you said, you can't plan for something you don't know to think about. So my younger cousins, I'm like, Hey girl, just in case you didn't know, this is a thing you should be thinking about. 
you know, mm-hmm. and normalizing mm-hmm. this is what your doctor should be saying or how they should respond to you. And I think that gets better as we continue to have more black women in these spaces. I mean, I'm in Atlanta, mm-hmm. so it's blackity black everywhere. Um, and <laughs> so you can have these conversations and feel comfortable and somebody knows where you're coming from. They understand like the familial pressure, if there's any um, mm-hmm. trying to understand navigating out here, these cuffing streets, they understand that and what that might mean for your plan mm-hmm. for uh, reproductive health. Right. Um, and so I right. think it's just so important and so hard to come by sometimes. Yeah, I agree with yeah. everything you both said. It's real. And that's why we wanted to have this conversation with both of you today. Um, not just because you're in science, but because you are both black women who are living a pretty similar experience as us. You know what I'm saying? Like yeah. we are talking um, and we're getting to it, period. So <laughs> we appreciate y'all for coming and joining us today and having this conversation with us. Can you please let our listeners know (laughs) where they can find you and what you have coming up for the future? Well, we're happy to join y'all, first of all, and so excited. We've been anxious. Yes, (laughs) yes, yes, we love to see it. And I'm just like, Mm -hmm. oh, I was listening back to some of y'all's episodes. Mm -hmm. So, so good. And I'm like, oh, I I know a lot of people that need to know about y'all's show. Um, (laughs) You know, we just came off a season of like 48 weekly episodes. I heard y'all talking about how batching has saved your life. We were going mm-hmm. week to week to week. Cause we were kind of, our dope labs mm-hmm. is a news type of show. So it's mm-hmm. every yeah. week. That's a vicious cycle, but we have been having so much fun. And so you can find us only on Spotify. And so I think in 2023, you can listen to us everywhere. So that's all your major platforms. And it's dopelabspodcast.com is where you can find us. And on Twitter and Instagram, you can find us at Dope Labs Podcast. How exciting. So that's Spotify girls link up. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you again for joining us and for all of the work that you are doing. It is greatly appreciated. Yes. Many thanks to Titi and Zakia, host of Dope Labs, for spending time with us today. We've got I Did That Shit coming up right after this. Okay, y'all, so now it's time for I Did That Shit, where we brag on ourselves for doing dope shit, and we tell you all about the dope shit that we did. So, since we're talking about fertility today, let me tell y'all how I did that shit. Tell us. So, for the past five years, I guess, I had not been on birth control, Mm -hmm. right? I was solely relying on the rhythm method as my form of BC, and I was doing well. I was doing well. Couple partners later. You weren't doing so I was well. not doing well. I was not doing well. You know what? I was partnered with somebody who, with a rhythm method, I came to discover was not the method for us. You know what I'm saying? It wasn't effective. It was not effective. And I felt like I don't like this because I like to have my fertility power in my hands. And I felt like with him not being effective with the pullout, it wasn't in my hands. You were at his mercy. And I was like, hell no. Hell no, you know? Mm-hmm. So I decided that it was time for me to get a form of birth control because I was like, uh-uh, I need to have more control over this area of my life. You know what I'm saying? And mm-hmm. if you can't show up in the way that I need you to show up, I'm going to have to figure out how to really grab this shit by the reins. So I decided to get an IUD. 
And when I did that, I really felt like I had did that shit because I did what I needed to do in that moment mm. to take my fertility back into my hands. Mm. I'm proud of you, girl. And sometimes that's what you have to do. You can't leave shit to chance. Or up to these niggas. Or the girl. I said, uh-uh, <laughs> you're, not, you're, not, you're not doing your part, so let me do it for the both of us. Right. Good job. I did that shit. A queen. Yes. Love it. So... So, y'all, now it's time to pick up your pen. We're dropping a gem. This is the last segment of the show where we share the content that either is inspiring us, that's checking us, that's wrecking us, getting us the fuck together. Mm -hmm. These are the things that make us look in the mirror and remember the baddies that we are. So, of course, we have to share them with you. We have been talking all about fertility and periods and ovulation and all of the things. If you are not already tracking your period, and your ovulation, it's time to start. We want to recommend a few period apps, uh, period tracking apps that we use. I use the Eve app. I've been using this app for probably, child, 10 years. Mm-hmm. I'm not even going to lie. Um, it's really, look at that, when my fertile window, five days. Y'all remember this here, five days. <laughs> be careful, be <laughs> fertile careful. Fertile window starts in five days. But I really like this app because you can document your feelings, you know, what your discharge might be looking like. If you're feeling more emotional, the days that you had sex, was it protected? Was it unprotected? All of the things. And it'll even give you little um, cycle analysis, how short or long your cycle is, what you might start to feel. You might be feeling cramps today because your period is on, you know, you might be having cravings. It's very um, interactive app. It's one of my favorites. So yeah. I agree. I use the flow app and these Tracking ovulation is even more important now that they have these abortion laws in effect because it's Mm -hmm. like if you've been pregnant after six weeks or whatever, um, you can no longer get an abortion. And we know if you're not tracking, it's something that kind of like slips your mind like, oh, my period was supposed to be here. Baby, listen, with these tracking apps, you know when your period is supposed to be here. Mine be here today. And you know if it's not here, that something else is going on. So. Highly encourage you to use either Flow or Eve or there's tons of other apps out there, but just get some sort of ovulation tracker on your your phone. Put it on your phone. Put it on your phone, y'all. On your phone. Also, we cannot not recommend Jamel Hills. Uphill, her memoir, y'all, is fire. You can listen on Audible. You can um, purchase it. If you're really doing your shit, get it from a Black-owned bookstore Mm -hmm. and support a black Woman, we're trying to get her on the New York Times bestsellers list. She yes. deserves it. It's a great read. It is. You won't be disappointed. Yeah. And also a great Christmas gift or stocking stuffer. We love a stocking stuffer. Yes. Do you do stockings? Okay. All my lips. So <laughs> we're going to leave you with that. Remember, if you love this episode, if you felt like it was valuable for you, please do not forget to share it with a homegirl or two. We love you for it. Share it on your social media and we will chat with you all next week. Love you. Bye. Bye.